1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today, we're bringing you another interesting perspective We are dealing with all kinds of mess right now in the property insurance marketplace, and we know it's affecting us, but it's definitely affecting our clients and prospects. And one of the things that's in the front and center showcase of everything that's happening in the insurance industry right now is roofing. And rather than sit here and prognosticate on my own opinions on what I think is going on, I thought we would go right to the source and bring somebody in here that can talk about what's going on in roofing and some technology that they've developed that helps with that entire process. So today our guest is Peter Dunn from DHI Commercial Roofing and we're going to talk roofs and insurance and everything in between for the next little bit. What's up Peter? Doing great David, thanks for uh, having me on today. Absolutely. My my pleasure. Before we get cranked up and jump into DHI and all the cool stuff that y'all are doing, Why don't you give everybody a little bit of your background and how you got to where you're at right now?
2: Yeah, I am a uh, like third generation general contractor from Kansas City, and uh, so I grew up looking at all kinds of construction documents most of my life. Uh, But I also had a uh, pretty good run in the uh, payroll industry. I've been in a lot of different businesses. I've been with this DHI Commercial Roofing for about seven years now. Um, Unique opportunity, unique offering. Uh, everybody knows somebody that's a roofer. We've been in business about thirteen years now, uh, commercially and residentially speaking, and we have we're a national service provider uh, for big companies across the country that that we basically have identified have of a need for a trustworthy, reliable, single source roofing uh, partner that can give them an honest and accurate opinion on the condition of the roofs after severe weather strikes.
1: Got it. So obviously we're in the snake pit down here in Florida. So we understand severe weather. We understand what can happen to roofs. What differentiates you guys? I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm i lobbing you a big softball here, Peter, because what I'm going to tell you is, you know, when we think roofers in, in Florida, we think about the people who come after a storm has happened and they're going door to door to knock. And let everybody know they'll give them a free inspection and they'll let them know what they need to know and the next thing you know you know three weeks later there are a bunch of signs in people's front yards bragging about how they got free roofs from insurance companies so you know i think the insurance industry and and people involved in it and also you know homeowners who understand (laughs) homeowners who may be in the insurance industry understand the effect that has on everything or, somewhat jaded in the insurance industry, so to hear that you're you know taking a different approach and trying to do things different is is refreshing
2: just at the, at the surface. But talk a little bit about that, yeah, it's, uh, but maybe the best way to explain how we got this model rolling. The catalyst was an invitation to bid on a, about a seven million dollar uh, roof restoration project post uh, a severe hail storm we We were invited by uh, Fort Leavenworth, big fort, one of the largest um, army forts in the Midwest, about 1,400 dwellings. We are one of 11 bidders asked to provide a a proposal to restore the roofs across these uh, multiple buildings that were actually damaged. And they had been awarded a pretty good large sum of money to get it restored. And as I said, we, we basically offered to to provide an estimate. However, we said before we do that, we want to walk and fully evaluate the entire scope, not based on what the adjuster had come back with and the check they had offered, but based on what the severe weather event actually caused to the property. And when we did that, we came, and in fact, no other bidders did that. They came back with a proposal to restore the the property for the scope of loss uh, provided by the adjuster. We walked the property, and we found about fourteen million dollars more damage that the adjuster missed. Uh, and we actually prepared, I think, a dozen banker's boxes of reports and to put them in a pickup truck to submit them. I mean, fourteen uh, that-
3: million dollars is a pretty big discrepancy.
2: <laughs> yeah, and here's why. It's a great question. It's a huge <laughs> discrepancy. The client, we said, hey, I sure hope you haven't settled because you're not going to be made whole by this settlement. And here's what happened. The adjuster just missed a ton of siding damage. There was, there was a lot of hail damage to the siding and other slopes that the adjuster just didn't miss. The, and, and to give these adjusters a little bit of a break, they get overloaded when severe severe weather events hit. So they're, they're under severe pressure pressure to meet certain timelines and timeframes. So it's just natural that adjusters can miss things. They're they're human. But the catalyst to our idea here to wrap that up was, I wonder how many other big commercial claims get settled, but not fully settled. And so what we do is we take a more proactive approach. We don't wait for the storm to happen. We, uh, our clients, we have about 750 properties across the country that we monitor for clients. These range from movie theaters to retail strip centers, to big retail outlets, banks, uh, multifamily, uh, communities, big and small cities across the Midwest, Southeast, throughout Florida, Texas, et cetera. And what we do is we take more of a proactive approach instead of knocking on everyone's door after the storm hits. When any kind of severe weather happens, high winds or, or, uh, hail inch and a quarter hail or better, we're dispatching our inspectors to first evaluate the conditions of the asset. And then in about half the time we'll say, hey, you do not need to make a claim uh, because it, the damage is not significant enough. They might have a few missing shingles, a few, you know, hail strikes in the in the slopes, but not nearly claim worthy enough to submit a claim it could be very easily repaired which that's a big ass that helps not only the insured but it also helps the adjusters and the carriers uh, to know that there's not a claim worthy condition there the other side of those inspections will come back with maintenance recommendations and about 1 out of 10 1 out of 11 inspections we come back with a claim worthy condition we do some math on it and say does it make economic sense for you the insured and these are huge properties these are you know uh, several, you know, 15, 16 buildings in some cases, or they're big retail areas, big theaters. We'll do some quick math for them and say, hey, here's what your restoration value is gonna be if the claim is successful. Does it make sense to make a claim on this? And in some cases it doesn't because the deductible is so high. Um, so it's a very proactive front end approach, uh, just trying to make help a client make a more fully informed decision. So I remember when talking with Rich Pryor,
1: like there's there's some technology involved with this too, though, right? It's not as simple as you got a crew of people sitting around watching the weather channel, knowing that they need to go out and talk to people. Can you? I mean, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce, by that's
2: that's one of our secret methods, right there. That crew around the clock watching the weather channel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're expensive. Those guys. They need beer, popcorn. No. We have about three or four methods by which we are constantly monitoring weather events, some proprietary software as well. Uh, but there's, you know, there's a handful of good reliable sources out there. If you ask adjusters, they'll say none of them are that reliable in terms of data loss and accuracy of predicted or uh, tracked and recorded storms. But we look at two or three different resources. Uh, and once all those line up, that gives us a signal to then contact our client and say, Hey, do you want us to get eyes on this to let you know what we got there? but those are the triggers again nothing too fancy it's it's still a pretty physical you know we use drones but even drones aren't great for inspections especially if it's wind damage so we use different technologies uh, on the weather monitoring and a little bit of technology on the on the actual inspections but to truly evaluate the condition of a, of a roof you got to physically get on that roof you got to physically walk it and get eye- really good eyes on it to know what they' to know what the conditions are
3: how do you get people to think more proactively about something that is typically reactionary? Like strictly, like yeah, people get a, you know that, roof damage and like it, nobody thinks about it till it happens, right?
2: Well, that's right. It, well, the it's a great question, the biggest problem, the, our best prospect to be really specific is uh, the client that has you know fifteen or one hundred and fifty properties across a certain region or across the country. And when severe events happen, now they're like, uh, what do I do? Do I call a local guy to get an opinion? Uh, Do I call my guy that's six hours away? How do I get a reliable, quick, honest, accurate opinion on the condition of my roofs? Those are our best prospects. The property owner, a big investor or developer that has properties pretty centralized within maybe a two hour radius, they've probably got a guy or two that they have developed a relationship with that they can trust. It's the, it's the other folks that have a, a, a more broader reach, a broader uh, s- spread of properties and investments where they need uh, uh, the same quality report. They need a trustworthy inspection. And we're in this thing, you know, for the long haul, a lot of, you know, candidly, our the roofing industry has a lot of knuckleheads, I'll just put it that way, <laughs> that are just in it for the buck and the short term quick fix. We're going to, in many cases, we may talk them out of a claim because, again, it just doesn't make economic sense if the deductible is so high and the the restoration values, you know, only double that. So it may not make sense to always make a claim is what we're telling our clients. But to your question, I'm proactive. Um, most of the time, we're not charging for these inspections. So the insured saying, hey, why not? I, I'm getting mm-hmm. a, a trustworthy opinion. And I then I have real eyes on it. I got a photo documented report. How do I lose on this thing? So it's maintenance recommendations. It's storm conditions. It's uh, observed inspection data that we're providing.
1: So who are your targeted clients? I mean, you obviously, Fort Leavenworth is a fairly recognizable name, but there's only so many military bases in the country. Obviously, you're a commercial roofer. Do you have specific classes of business you're looking at? Or is it?
2: Yeah. So, the, the developers and investors that have a, a lot of MOBs, Medical Office Buildings, uh, our our client mix really does range from multifamily to uh, banks. Banking industry has multiple locations across a pretty broad footprint. Um, movie theaters, we serve some uh, one, the number five largest movie theater chain in the country. So, they're typically larger footprints in terms of physical space, and they need a consistent, reliable resource to give them data on the conditions. So pretty broad actually, have a few medical groups, but retailers, investors, and a big industrial client, I forgot to mention, I I won't mention the client's name, but they are one of the leading industrial developers in the country with a lot of square footage across the country. And again, the same thing they're needing, an annual, in this case, it's proactive, back to your question earlier, on an annual basis, we're putting eyes on those roofs, So they can tell exactly uh, what's the longevity. They can forecast the budget to replace or repair. So we're doing annual inspections for a lot of these clients just so they can stay ahead of the the curve on the various conditions. So
1: I'm trying to think through my mind, like put put yourself in an insurance producer's shoes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you you take my job for for a couple of days, and you're going to go out and you're going to talk to all of your real estate investor clients. How how do they talk to them about you? How do you help the agent? Because I can see that if if an agent has the ability to bring something new to the marketplace for a problem that currently exists that nobody else is using you could you could help guys like me close business too if if people have had pain from roof issues in the past
2: or whatever else i, I think so again you sure certainly know your business better than i do but here's where my mind goes i think what's a value add we can bring you as the agent to your customer and I, I think it's that whole proactive approach to saying, "Hey, let's be sure before you submit a claim, because all that does is create red tape. Well, let's let's make sure before you submit a claim, number one, that we really do have a legitimate claim. First, let's not de- let's you know there's a there's a, ultimately an expense if you're too trigger happy on making claims, right? Mm-hmm. That, that that's one thing we help we help the insured try to avoid or the agent try to avoid. Number one, and the second thing might be again, just a more uh, proactive stance on it rather than waiting to see if we have leaks because here's the funny thing about hail. hail doesn't typically, unless it's baseball size hail that you know just destroys cars and everyone knows about it. But hail inch and a quarter inch and a half doesn't usually promote and cause leaks right away. It's sometimes two, three, four years down the road from the UV, Uh, Exposure where you Hmm. see a hail leak start to happen. And by then, they may have missed the claim window. So the potential opportunity, yeah. And most folks don't know that. And again, I'll just say it again most roofers aren't even that good at doing what I'd call accurate, complete, and thorough, unbiased uh, storm damage inspections. Uh, They just aren't. Uh, I've just been in the business long enough to see that uh, I'd say about 90% of roofers miss a lot of damage leaving the insured with an asset that's been devalued. So um, I think the angle, back to your question, David, would be, again, I've, I've said this word repeatedly, but a reliable resource that can give an honest, unbiased opinion on the condition of the roofs over the years based on past storm events and proactively immediately after storm events. So they're not at the mercy, I guess, of just someone knocking on their door or somebody they don't know. That's, you know, I call them chuck in a truck mm-hmm. that, that's that swings a hammer and now he's a roofer. Well, right. it makes, it makes you wonder,
1: you know, if you do have the ability to identify, you know, just even using the hail as an example that there could be UV issues four years down the road or whatever the example was you gave, tr- I'm trying to recall it, but you know, how many times is that getting missed up front? And then by the time an inspector comes out because somebody has a leak, they're saying, "Well, this isn't really weather related. This is just natural deterioration on your roof, and that's not something that you can file a claim around, right? Because from my perspective, that would be something that seems to be somewhat realistic, right? It, you know, yeah. i've had I've had an issue with my roof in the past, and I did have them come out. We had had, uh, we had had a hailstorm. I was not chasing a free roof by any stretch. And the company came out and they looked at it and they, they said, well, you know, yeah, it looks like it's it's had some deterioration, but realistically, and this is the insurance company, by the way, their inspector, it's not a, an independent independent third-party person um, or or a roofing company. He's like, yeah, but... You know, it looks like it's about due to be replaced anyhow, and a lot of the leaking came in around this skylight that's over here, and and they pointed out a bunch of stuff, but listening to you, it makes me wonder, okay, well, yeah, maybe it did look like the roof was deteriorated, but how much of that actually was legitimately caused by a weather-related event that was missed by an original inspector who didn't have the ability to identify it because whatever the reason.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. You you covered a lot of things there, and it's really important. I want to unpack them. Number one, you know, depending on the policy, right, ACV or RCV, uh, unless it's an ACV policy, the, the you are do a full restoration of that roof. Number one. Number two, leaks around the skylight irrelevant to the damage on the actual asphalt composite shingle. So a lot of times, a hail damaged roof will not be leaking. It, it so leaks don't really indicate one way or the other whether the actual hail is the culprit. And here's the here here's the injustice that we w- we want to write as often as possible. If in your case that asset your home has been devalued by that hailstorm, you are due to get that fully replaced. So had you been a commercial client for example, we would have been there on that inspection with that adjuster and we would have basically challenged them in a respectful way to say, "Hey, come on. What about this? Let's look at this." Notice that indentation. And, and we're not going to get distracted by the leaking uh or deteriorated skylights or other conditions that may be legitimate and leaking, but that doesn't that doesn't bypass or override the fact that this that storm event actually devalued and caused damage to your roof system. Uh yeah, you could have a host of other problems. You could have tuck pointing issues and flashing issues and chimney problems irrelevant to the fact that hail came through here it, it, there's eight or more strikes in a test square. If I'll get, I'll get kind of technical with you. They typically look for at least eight or more hail strikes in a 10 by 10 test square per slope. We're going to make sure we show all that to that adjuster and not let the distraction of other conditions, uh, get your, uh, cause your claim to be denied. So that's another value we're bringing to the client. So when we go to, to one of these big Movie theaters, or one of our uh, medical office building clients, or industrial clients, we're going to peel back that TPO, and this could be an old roof, but they have an RCV policy. We're going to peel back the TPO, look for micro fractures. We're going to look like look for indentations into the ISO, which is the insulation board under the roofing system. We're going to do a lot of forensics to make sure that adjuster gives you the insured a fair day in court, if you will. But if you don't have that, if you don't have someone like us at that event at that adjuster meeting on the roof, you're really at their mercy, you you, you know, and again, I'm not going to put them down. They're busy, they're overloaded and they make mistakes. Um, so you just really need somebody that's on that roof with them pointing out all the aspects of the roof conditions. The, the, The other thing that, that ensures is that they don't miss things. Uh, and like this 11, Fort Leavenworth case, this adjuster meant there didn't mean to miss all this, but they just did. they, they were assigned a, a, a I think, a ridiculous amount of real estate to inspect in a short amount of time. So they just out of time had to, they went so fast they had to miss some things.
3: Now, I'm sure that happens a lot. So you're saying that it's a ten by ten square, essentially yeah,
2: eight or more hail eight or more hail strikes in a ten by ten test square now. Just, I'm I'm glad you're picking up on these little finer details. Most, again, That's what I do. don't, uh, they miss it. They, they're like, ah, it's hard to see. The untrained eye will miss inch and a quarter, inch and a half hail. They just don't see it. Uh, it's not that obvious because here's what happens. You, uh, go deep into the roofing speak. Uh, so you got granules on your roof, right? On this asphalt, petroleum-based product. You've got these granules on there and they serve two purposes cosmetic color and the second purpose they serve is a uv blocker so when hail impacts that shingle it's it's either dislodging or impacting those granules and eventually over some rainstorms those granules will get washed out because they've been dislodged and now you've got a small maybe about the size of a dime or a nickel impact or bruise on that shingle and over time that uv is going to compromise that condition of that roof Hmm. so there there's your detailed roof speak for the day so here's here's (laughs) the question that's more than you probably wanted i'm sure
1: no that's good stuff man i mean it, it makes sense and it helps understand a little bit about why things are the way they are right now you know i'm i'm interested and i don't necessarily want you to take a position on this unless you feel comfortable taking a position on this but it seems to me like a lot of the issues that we have in Florida specifically, I can only speak to where I live. I can't an, you know, answer for anywhere else. I can only assume that it's somewhat similar. The, the issue is you got the person who's got the 20-year-old roof and a hailstorm comes through and it, it does some damage, but it doesn't really do that much damage. And the next thing you know, because replacement costs is on the policy, this person ends up with a brand new roof And it's legal. I mean, let's let's call it what it is. That's exactly what the insurance contract says. So it is perfectly fine, you know, from a legality standpoint that that's the case. I have a feeling we're getting ready to see a whole lot of ACV roofs being written going forward. You know, because here's the thing: when you look at it, you're right. Yeah, when you look at the concept of indemnity, it's not for somebody to profit; it's to make you whole. That's it. That's what indemnity that's right. is, at its core. And you know, the thing that I have a hard time and I struggle with understanding is why anybody feels, other than the fact that the the policy says replacement cost, take the insurance language out of this completely. If you've got a roof that's twenty years old and you feel like you should get a brand new roof because something happens to the one you have. Right. That's not indemnity.
3: That's I I take
1: take issue with that, right? Because if I'm driving a 20-year-old Hyundai (laughs) and I get T-boned and my car gets totaled, they're not going to go buy me a brand new Hyundai. I might not get very much money at all for my car because it's going to be settled at actual cash value. There's got to be some kind of a happy medium where we say... You know what? Maybe it's a hybrid. Maybe it says any roofs that are 10 years or newer, we will cover at replacement cost or 5 years or newer, whatever the number is, but anything outside of that time window has to be actual cash value. Period, right? Because Yeah. I, I don't That's know fair. I don't know how you fix the problem any other way because the way that the policy language is currently set up, it's set up to take advantage of the system if people are so inclined to take advantage of the system. I understand that it probably, no people never in a million years would have thought about in 2023, if we write the policy this way today, in 2023, there's gonna be a major crisis in, in <laughs> the industry in Florida because people are just getting free roofs left and right because the policy says replacement costs. They're just letting it ride till the storm comes. The next thing you know, there's a new roof. There's got to be some level of accountability to the policyholder, too, not just to be honest, but to also do the appropriate maintenance, which is something you said your company would assist with in terms of identifying what they need to be doing to to handle maintenance
2: correctly. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. So two things for sure. Your point's clear. However, I would say this. If they're going to get an ACV policy, which is fine, that's an option that premium should reflect it, right? That should be a lesser premium. Yeah. So if they're paying this full premium with a full deductible, then the new roof is part of the contractual agreement. Now, what we're seeing at the commercial level, we're seeing a 5% TAV, which is total asset value, which is basically means they're becoming self-insured on their roofs. Uh, I can give you one in Dallas, Texas recently, windstorm came through, uh, it was about a million to roof restoration. However, because the multifamily space specifically has been hammered with like uh, sometimes triple to five and six times increased premiums and deductibles, their new where their deductible was five years ago was fifty thousand. Now it's a percent of asset value, and their deductible is two million dollars. So, essentially, the roof's no longer even covered, right? Because the roof's a 1.2, 1.3 restoration. So, in in that case, they don't have insurance on the roof because the deductible is higher than the actual roof restoration amount.
3: Hmm.
2: And we're seeing that across certain industries uh, at a faster clip. Now, and it's not all weather-related. It just could be that specific industry and the number of claims that they're seeing, whether it's, you know, slip and falls or just you know, poor maintenance issues or so these carriers have been getting kind of beat up to your point. Uh, and they're having to take some pretty aggressive action to to change those conditions going forward.
1: Yeah, but one of the things
2: they've done is they've
1: they've uh, made it available to buy deductible buybacks, right? So that that's company true. that's got the high wind hail deductible, because here's the issue, man, like we're seeing wind hail deductibles of 10% <laughs> yeah. for the first time in a long time. You wow. know that's that's not that's not something that we're used to seeing. And to your point, um, that's a large amount of money. Here's the thing: I don't think that enough insurance agents understand how wind deductibles work, let alone the consumer themselves or that business owner who's making a decision to buy uh, insurance for a commercial property. They, I don't know too many people that, when you ask the question, I'm gonna I'm gonna even say nine out of ten people. If I were to go to somebody who's insured and say, hey, just out of curiosity, if you were to have a a claim on your roof, uh, what would your deductible be? Well, it's 4%. Okay, 4% of what? Or 5% rather? 5% of what? And most of them think that it's 5% of whatever the amount of the loss is, right? They think that, oh, well, if we have a $100,000 roof, then we're going to be on the hook for $5,000. They don't realize. That it's the total insurable values at that location, which is an issue, right. man. Because you total could hassle. have, yeah, you could have some people that have a, a relatively inexpensive building, relatively speaking, that warehouse high dollar inventory inside of that building, and the rates are all going to be set, and the premium is going to be set off of those total insurable values, which also could include business income, depending on who the carrier is, right? Now all of a sudden yep. you're going from a, a building that might only be worth a couple hundred thousand up to total insurable values that are in the millions, and that's a material difference in the deductible that I don't think a lot of agents understand and talk about, and by extension yeah, I, I, the, the consumer doesn't know.
2: Yep, uh, I would agree with you. Yeah, there's more pressure being put on on the brokers and on the agents to really make sure they're educating the clients because it's 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 you when you explain those conditions you know, someone's going to be heading for a pretty big surprise and disappointment.
3: Yeah, I mean, that yep. is a massive difference.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And, and, and it's, it's changed thing- dramatically just in the last few years. To your point earlier, this, it's it's been a dramatic change in certain industries just in the last two to three years that, that I've seen. So they could be under, but here's what isn't changing. They're seeing their deductibles and their premiums are going up significantly. So that that at least is getting the topic on the table for discussion.
1: Yeah, I mean, and so far, from what I can tell, the people who have made out the most off of the whole thing the attorneys. You know, when I'm living in a state where 76% <laughs> sure. of all claims dollars are going to attorneys, not even the people... Who had it's nuts, man. that's an epidemic, man. That's a major, major problem. And you know, while the numbers themselves, and I'm I'm speaking to all you producers out here that are going out and calling on people every day, while the numbers themselves may have changed, you know, with premiums going up and deductibles going up. And all of that, what hasn't changed is the mechanics of how this stuff works. So if you want to BS us and say, well, you know, I just haven't gotten caught up with the way things are. Wind deductibles, how they work, haven't changed in the entire time I've been in the insurance industry. It's never been any different. It's been a percentage of total insurable values. What has changed is what the definition of wind is. Is it hurricane? Is it an afternoon yeah, names, thunderbanger that comes right. in? Is it a name, name storm? Storm's right. And and the other thing is that, you know, agents don't, you know, again, we get so concerned about, oh, man, this is a really good opportunity. Look at that premium. I know I can close it. Come to Papa. And you're not taking the time and looking at your statements of values and then running replacement cost estimates against this stuff to determine if this stuff is even insured to value or not. You're at a point in a hard market right now where if you don't have your buildings insured to value, your underwriters are going to decline quotes or they're going to kick them back and say... Sorry, this amount per square foot is not enough based on current market conditions. Mm-hmm. We understand what the mm-hmm. valuation on these buildings are and it needs we while we can't tell you what to what to put on the value of the building, we can tell you that the minimum that we will write per square foot is x number of dollars. And that can be a material difference because again, agents aren't paying attention to that. They're paying attention to what gets them paid and that's selling a policy when the issue is, what happens when a claim comes and your client's severely underinsured and they've got 90% or we're even seeing 100% coinsurance sometimes at this point. And
3: it's a lot of people, dude. I mean, I'm getting policies that'll come in where people, they're looking at other options for the property because of all the things that we've just talked about. Almost every time their building is underinsured, like it is far lower, several hundred thousands of dollars lower than all of the replacement cost estimators on the websites that I'm quoting this stuff at, and and obviously that's a huge problem, especially if they're at ninety or a hundred percent co-insurance.
1: Yeah, because a lot's changed with construction material costs and everything yeah. else. Which that I mean, Hurricane Ian does have something to do with that specific to yeah. Florida, but. You know, the other thing is and I don't wanna to beat this horse because I've beat it a lot, but the average the average person out there doesn't understand reinsurance and how it works. They they just think that the insurance company comes in to take risk on their home or their business or whatever else. They're just assuming that that insurance company's taking a hundred percent of the risk, and that's not the case. And we've been in a situation where reinsurance itself has had surplus for so many, you know, for the last two or three years. They haven't had to take any rate, and now all of a sudden, with all the global disasters and the reinsurance market being tapped, they're having to take rate at this point, which causes a significant issue because when reinsurance goes up, so does everything else below it significantly. And when you're dealing with an elderly person in Florida who came down here to retire on a fixed income and you believe they truly can't afford any more than what they're already paying for insurance, and they ask you, what can I do? You, you don't have an answer for that, right? You can't explain to them you know, exactly how all of this stuff got to where it is. And certainly going into a a, a claim about reinsurance and everything else, is not going to make them feel warm and fuzzy about insurance either. But at the end of the day, that's also what's driving a lot of this rate. We haven't seen a, a reinsurance rate hike like what we're seeing or will see the rest of this year in in probably at least a decade, I would imagine.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, and I think you hit it right on the head. The The best value you can, I think, bring to your customers is information. However, no one's eager to bring bad information, right? If it's kind of a mm-hmm. little bit of a doom and gloom or significant rate increase or reinsurance requirement, or you're undervalued on your total replacement, no one's eager to say, hey, let's sit down and have that meeting. Uh, but I will say you're going to sure avoid a lot of pain down the road if you can if you can get together with your clients and, and or somehow communicate this in, in a more effective way than what's currently happening. I think there's a reluctance just to get out there and speak about it because it's, it's not super good news. It, yeah, nobody, nobody wants
1: to give anybody bad news, but that no. bad news doesn't ever turn into good news. It just gets <laughs> it just, worse that's right. the longer you sit on it. I mean, I'm dealing with one right now. I've got a client I've represented for 20 years. I've proactively told him, you need to be prepared for your renewal to be the worst you could possibly imagine. It I I, I tell when I say unimaginable I legitimately mean unimaginable like you're not gonna believe how much it's going to cost versus what it cost you last year when I come back and this is a guy that's sitting in a metal building in Hillsborough County Florida that was built in 1958 just had a multi million dollar claim closed out from Irma and here we go right and we're we we renew coming up here in a couple of weeks and the underwriters still haven't gotten everything back to us. And I know what's going to happen. We're going to get to the 11th hour and it's going to be an absolutely horrendous renewal. And he's going to think that I sat on my hands. He won't think that because he knows that I don't, but you know, I don't think that he understands like, this is really, really bad, man. We're in the worst position we've been in, in literally ever, as far as my insurance career goes. So it does. It goes back to the agent proactively going out, being able to have a bad conversation, appropriately setting what your client's expectations should be, and then executing to that level of expectation. It's no different than anything else in sales. What I just described should be how you handle any piece of business, not just the bad news, but the good news as
2: well. Yep. Yep. and the other reality as you're seeing is there's fewer carriers that even want to chase this business. So that PNC market with that so the carrier options are fewer, so the market is massively turned, you know, the fear of being dropped. So when you when you go from a dozen carriers now down to four or five, suddenly your options aren't nearly as attractive.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, and we're in situations now where it's not even a matter of what is the premium, it's whether or not they can get a quote
2: You know, I had somebody flip
1: one, somebody from out of state flip one over and ask me to try and help them on it. And honestly, I glanced at it and should have said, nope, not interested. This isn't in my wheelhouse, but it was somebody who listens to the podcast. I was trying to help them out and, you know, they come to me and they'd already been to 35 different markets. So (laughs) I flipped it over. I flipped it over to my one wholesaler that I knew if anybody could do it, they can and said, look, I need you to look at this. Tell me what it is that you can. You can put together. And I mean, this is a property. The deal on the the value on this deal was going to be about 20 million bucks um, by the time they they bought this property that was built in the 60s, um, not even in this part of Florida, further up north. So should have been in a safer area, getting ready to go through some renovations and would have been vacant at the time, which is an issue. But think about this the value of the property, the value of the projects, $20 million. And the only quote that they were able to get before they sent it over to me was for a $5 million loss limit X wind with (laughs) a million dollar minimum deductible on the $5 million loss limit and valuation of ACV.
3: What's that going to do?
1: Like number one, number one, how, how are you ever even going to get, like, if that's the underlying, there's no lender that's going to give you money with that kind of policy structure. And certainly you don't want, Anybody else following form above and beyond that, that's crazy.
2: Yeah. No, that's insane.
1: Now, So now the deal's scrapped, right? I mean, I don't know how they get the deal done unless they go to the lender and have them put some sort of forced-placed coverage in place, which is only going to cover the lender's interest, not theirs. So if you're out there and you have ideas or solutions, feel free to email us because we're at a point right now where the property market... It's just, it's bonkers. I I just, I can't even imagine. And there there are going to be companies in Florida who go out of business because they can't afford it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Can't be insured. Right. Because as consumers,
1: we can't have people keep sending price increases down to us. At some point, we're going to be done with it too. Right. Yep.
3: Definitely. Hmm. That's fair. What have we not hit on, man? I was
1: going to say, Peter, what did we
2: miss as we get ready to wrap this thing up? What else would you like us to highlight? You know, I think that more and more it's about uh what the value add is just being more informative if we can help you 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 guys bring more knowledge and information to your to your customers that's what we want to do you want to do the same thing for your customers if you can be a more uh informative educational resource for your clients they're going to appreciate that far more than the competition that they that's chasing them every day that's the same thing we want to bring to you guys uh, help your clients make a more full, fully informed decision from a proactive stance. That's where we that's where we can come in and help. Cool. So
1: listen up, producers. If you're working in the real estate space specifically, or you write chains of restaurants or chains of dental offices or whatever where people have property exposed, that would be a great idea for you to differentiate yourself specifically with roofs being hot buttons. Peter, tell them how to get a hold of you, how to find you guys so that they can start yeah. having that conversation.
2: Yeah, happy to. And r- Rich Evans is who actually set this up, and he and I work together. It's, his email is r-evans-d-h-i-commercial.com, r evans And you, maybe your opening line is just say, I want to run an idea by you that'll help you just make a more fully informed decision, make sure you're, you're fully covered, or and that we're ahead of the, any kind of catastrophes or severe weather events before they a- actually, actually happen. The other aspect would be, you know, part of your policies are that you have to maintain the the asset, right? And I've got a group that can come in and give you an honest opinion on on some maintenance needs. We don't have to do it, actually. But we would give you insight on here. Here's some maintenance things. We'll often have to train some of our clients on here. Here's things you're not doing well that are going to put your roof in jeopardy. Here's some things you need to be taken care of. And again, we bring anyone else in there to take care of it, but we just want to give them advice and counsel that helps them, you know, maximize their dollars on their assets. So that's where we're, uh, another area we can help. And that that's a value add to hopefully you and your agents, uh, your listening audience.
1: Good deal. Well, that is right. probably as good a place as any to wrap this thing up. Everybody, thanks for listening. Um, you know, Barry Rich Evans, this guy doesn't get enough email. He doesn't have enough agent contacts <laughs> that want to refer business to him. So get a hold of Rich and, and get the ball rolling. Peter, thank you so much for coming on today. Unless you have anything further you want to discuss, we're going to call this one a, a wrap and and get ready for next time.
2: Hey, appreciate it very much, guys. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Absolutely. Have a great afternoon. We'll talk soon. See ya.
2: You've been
0: listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level. Next level. Check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.